And we are glad that you are here. Our lesson for this morning continues a study that we have begun on Ezekiel. And we're not going into an in-depth study of Ezekiel. Um, We're just hitting some of the highlights that are found throughout the book. And we're pulling out some lessons that we can learn from Ezekiel, from him serving as a prophet of God, and and just some things that that we can, can learn and apply to our own lives. Today we're looking at Ezekiel and how he dealt with false prophecy and false prophets. Ezekiel and the false prophets. As we look at the time of Ezekiel and and also of, of Jeremiah and the other prophets as well, we find that in the days of those prophets, there was a great deal of dealing with false prophets as well. Not just were, did they, were there prophets that served God, that, that carried God's message to His people. But there were also those who gave false prophecies, who did certain things and said things to discourage the people from listening to the true prophets of God. One really good example, and one that I remember from a study that we did on Jeremiah. As a matter of fact, we've been studying this in uh, the school of preaching. But in Jeremiah chapter 28, we read of of Jeremiah and Hananiah. Both of them referred to themselves as prophets of God. However, when we're told of Hananiah's prophecy, looking at verses 2 and 3 of Jeremiah 28, it says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two full years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon took away from this place and carried to Babylon. Hananiah's prophecy was that in two years, in two full years, that everything would be restored. He says that it was a message from God. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts. He begins. The God of Israel. And yet, that wasn't the prophecy of God. Though he claimed it to be a prophecy of God, it was not. And in verse 15 of the same chapter, Jeremiah 28, we read, Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah the prophet, Hear now, Hananiah, the Lord has not sent you, but you make this people trust in a lie. False prophecy was something that that was very present in the days of Israel. And as they were trying to serve God, you had these people that would lead them astray. And really, and what we read here is that they needed to repent. And these false prophets told them otherwise. They gave them what we might refer to as false hope. Hananiah lied. And death was going to be the sentence for his lies. And as we look at at Ezekiel as well as Jeremiah, we find that Ezekiel deals with much the same as we look at Ezekiel 13 today. Are we affected by the words of false prophets today? Jesus warns that we should know them by their fruits. 
Matthew chapter 7. Paul warns Timothy that many will be deceived by them because of itching ears in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Peter also warns of false teachers and teachings in 2 Peter chapter 2. In the Christian age, in the age in which we live as servants of God, there are those who speak false prophecies who present false messages and say that they're from the Lord and and many people believe them. Do false prophets exist today? Absolutely. And Christians should constantly be on guard against their deceptions. I want to look first at Ezekiel chapter 13. Let's see what we can learn about the days of Ezekiel, some of the struggles that that he had in regard to these false prophets. In Ezekiel chapter 13 and beginning with verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. They have envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus says the Lord, But the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Have you not seen a futile vision, and have you not spoken false divination? You say, the Lord says, but I have not spoken. These are the words of the Lord to those who speak false prophecies. Like Hananiah, these prophets claimed to be presenting to the people the word of the Lord. And for what reason? Maybe it's for much the same reason that someone would present such messages today. Many will speak certain things because they know that they can get an audience. And certainly these were were words that these false prophets hoped would be confirmed. And yet they did not come from God. These messages came out of their own heart, according to verse 2. False prophets are crafty and believable so that they may, may lead many astray from the truth. There are many people today who would believe the lie rather than the truth. The lie often sounds much better than the truth in many cases. But certainly these false prophets are capable of presenting these false prophecies in such a way that people want to hear them. In the book of the the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines 
have tender grapes. They're crafty. They are believable. False prophets for Ezekiel were encouraging the people with false hope not provided by God. The people were told that their captivity would be short and refused to encourage them to repent. These false prophets, the messages that they gave, captivity will not be long. Shortly you'll be returned. God will restore you. God will, will be with you once again. But they failed to present the message of repentance also. The message of repentance that God wanted them to understand. The whole reason that they were thrown into captivity in the first place was because they needed to repent. They had been told over and over and over again to repent and yet they refused to do so. And because of their refusal, captivity was upon them. God wanted His people to realize their sins. Just as much as He wants people to realize their sins today. Whenever someone is astray, whenever someone is in sin, God wants them to know that they're in sin so that they can repent, so that they can turn back to Him, so that they can serve Him in the way that He desires. Needless to say, God was very much so displeased with these false prophets. We pick up reading in Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse 8. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Because you have spoken nonsense and envisioned lies, therefore I am indeed against you, says the Lord God. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. And in verse 17 of the same chapter, Likewise, son of man, set your face against the daughters of your people, who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them. And say, thus says the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils for the heads of people of every height to hunt souls. Will you hunt the souls of my people and keep yourselves alive? And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and for pieces of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live? By your lying to my people who listen to lies. Prophets and prophetesses alike are mentioned as drawing God's ire. God specifically expressed his displeasure with both. The prophets for lying to his people. The prophetesses for, for much the same and for their use of magic charms to hunt the souls of his people. Both parties would suffer the consequences of their actions, punishment, and judgment. In Ezekiel chapter 13, beginning with verse 22, we read of the judgment against false prophets. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad 
whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked, so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore you shall no longer envision futility, nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Now wait a minute. Let's look back at verse 22 for a moment. With lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad. Whom I have not made sad. How are they sad? Didn't they want to hear these messages that they would return back to their land? That they would, would be, be taken out of captivity very shortly? In the end, however, they would be made sad. Whenever they realized that these things were lies, whenever they realized that this was not the truth, that these messages were not from God, they had not told the wicked to turn from their way. They had not told them to repent. They had not been told to save their lives. The messages of the false prophets were certainly not from God. And not what God wanted His people to know or to think. Wickedness does not go unnoticed from God's attention. Wickedness does not go unnoticed from God's attention. These false prophets would be dealt with for lying to God's people like Hananiah was. Their greatest sin against God was turning the people away from the very thing that God had called them to, using their captivity to change their hearts, repentance. And these false prophets turned them in a different direction so that they wouldn't feel it necessary to repent. And because of the lies of the false prophets, the people felt no need to repent. For according to the prophets... It was only a matter of time before they returned home. And because of this false hope, again, they felt no need to change their heart or their actions. Let's bring this lesson into today, into our time, into the age in which we live. What about false prophets of today? There are those that, that you may see, especially when we think of television evangelists who we would consider to be false prophets that, that preach messages contrary to the Word of God. And as Ezekiel dealt with false prophets in his days, so we deal with them today. That, that They're not something of the past. They're something that, that we, we have as an, an ever-present danger for Christianity. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verses 2 through 5, we read this. 2 Timothy chapter 4, and beginning with verse 2. These are the words of Paul to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, when it's convenient and when it's not. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? 
Why was Timothy told to preach the Word? Didn't he already know that? Verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Be watchful. All Christians must be watchful. And we talked about that last week when we talked about Ezekiel as a watchman. Well, we as Christians, we are all watchmen. We are watchmen against false teachings for our own sakes and, and for the sakes of others. But we are to be watchful of these things, to be wary, to be aware that that these people exist. And they, they do have the intention of turning God's people away from Him. Preach the Word. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That is Paul's encouragement to Timothy. Why do false prophets exist today? I would dare say that, that if people refuse to listen to false prophets of today, that they would, would cease from speaking. But the reason that false prophets exist is not just because Satan controls what they preach. He does. It is a temptation for us to, to turn away from God. But they do so because they can gain an audience. Some false preachers have great power and great authority in our world. They may have control over hundreds or even thousands within a church. And yet the messages that they preach are not from God. Messages of health, wealth, and prosperity. Things that are not promised by God. We, we talked about that today in our Bible class. About the trials that we as Christians face. Some will say anything as long as they can get an audience to believe them. And that's exactly what is happening in our world. Because there are those that have itching ears that, that do not want to know the truth, that do not want to hear the truth. There are those that will tell them whatever they want to hear. They may gain things of the earth, worldly treasures, in doing so. But we know that their eternity will not be with God unless they repent. Now knowing that there is false prophecy in our world, false preaching, how can we know the truth from error? How can we know the true prophets from false prophets, true preachers from, from false preachers? 
Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 15, says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. How are we going to know those who preach falsely? We know them by their fruits, by the things that they sow. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. 1 John chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When it comes to false prophets, we will know them by their fruits. And because we are of God and know God, we know the difference between error and truth. As we study God's Word, we know what God's Word says. We know what God's Word tells us. We know what His will is for us. And as we know His will and His Word, we will know the difference whenever someone preaches something that is not quite right. And something is not according to God's Word. I believe we, we talked a little bit about it last week, casual Christianity. The casual Christian, and, and when I refer to someone as a, a casual Christian, one who just comes to services and, and they, they think that they're doing exactly what they need to do, and yet that, that's all they are. They don't ever open up God's Word for themselves. They listen to, to someone else tell them what God's Word says. Those who never really applied themselves to their, their own Christianity and to their faith. That would be the casual Christian. The casual Christian will not know or recognize the difference between truth and error because they have not applied themselves to truly knowing God and His Word. Because they are ignorant of God and His Word... I'm not using that in a mean way, but, but they, they just don't know. Because they do not know the truth well, they will not know the difference when error is taught. They'll be weak in their understanding. And there are many today that, that live under the impression that they're doing right because that they don't study for themselves, because they do not know the Word of God. They believe the lies that they are being told. There again will be those deceived. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, they have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. It's not that they do this on purpose, but they allow themselves to be deceived because, again, they do not know God and they do not know the truth. In judgment, many will think they have done right when they instead have been deceived into believing a lie. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, just a little ways down from, from where Jesus speaks of, of false prophecies and false prophets, false teachers. Matthew 7 verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who work iniquity. They think they're doing right and yet they're believing false teaching. Because they failed to, res to be responsible in following the commands of the Lord, they will be judged based on their deeds. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 15 through 19, it speaks of responsibility. You see, we have a responsibility, an individual responsibility. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ Depart from iniquity. We have individual responsibility in our own salvation. We must know the truth. We must be able to rightly divide the truth from error. To rightly divide the scriptures. We have been warned. We have been warned. And we do have the responsibility of knowing the truth. And doing accordingly. If we are deceived, it will be nobody else's fault but our own because we allowed ourselves to be deceived.
In God's eyes, there is no excuse. We've been given the warnings. We've been given the word. We can know the truth. We should know the truth. And if we fail in that responsibility, it's my fault. It's my fault. But what might we be deceived into believing? There are various false doctrines and, and these are only maybe a tip of the iceberg in regard to so many false teachings throughout the world. But some of the most common that we have today. There are many people that believe and teach that baptism for the remission of sins is not essential. That you can be saved without baptism and yet the Word of God teaches otherwise. Many will teach error in regard to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 and beginning with verse 30 as we're told of the Philippian jailer. Remember Paul and Silas in prison. They were singing and praying. An earthquake came and, and shook the prison so that, that all the doors were open. And the jailer was about to kill himself. But when he heard that they were all present, it says in verse 30 that he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? We have to keep in mind where he is coming from, from, from where he stands. He is not a Christian. He has not even really been taught the true gospel. He does not know anything about what he needs to do to be saved. And he only knows that, that, that salvation is available and that these men know how salvation is possible. From his standpoint, he has not yet believed upon the Lord Jesus. And so that's exactly what he is told in verse 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. He was told to believe. And if he believed, that he would be saved. The problem is that many will stop there. And they will say this applies to all of us. We all must believe that is true. But we're not all in the standpoint uh, of where the, the Philippian jailer was standing. We're not in the shoes. Many of us have already believed. And they had to bring him to that point. They had to, to make him believe before he could do anything about his salvation. And so it was very true what they said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. False teachers will stop and say that applies to all of us that we all must believe and we will be saved. But in stopping at verse 31, they are missing out on exactly what the jailer did and what his family did to be saved. Verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. See, he had not yet received the word of the Lord and so now he is receiving the word of the Lord. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in this house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And having received the word of God, knowing what he needed to do, it says immediately 
he and all his family were baptized. Baptism is necessary for remission of sins. And without that in the plan, without water baptism, salvation is not possible, though many false teachers will teach otherwise. James chapter 2 verse 19 tells us that belief alone does not save us. It's not a contradiction of what Paul said. But in James chapter 2 verse 19 says, You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You see, belief alone is not going to save you. And those that teach that belief alone will save are teaching false doctrine. What Peter taught on the day of Pentecost is the same thing that we should be teaching today. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We must also repent. In addition to believing, which the Jews had already done, we must repent. And we must be baptized for the remission of sins without these things. Salvation is not possible. What about the Lord's Supper? There are many that teach false teachings in regard to the Lord's Supper and in particularly how often and how it is to be taken. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7 tells us, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. As often as the disciples gathered on the first day of the week, they partook of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. They came together, and one of the purposes for which they came together was for breaking bread, for taking of the Lord's Supper. And so we follow their example. We continue to partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. No less, no more, than on the first day of every week. And much could be said in regard to, to altering the worship that God has commanded. For instance, the use of instruments in worship is taught to be acceptable and authorized by God when in truth. There is no such authority to be found in the New Testament. There are many people that will do things ignoring what we are given authority for. We are only to do those things that we are given authority for. No more, no less. False teachers today as we look at the example of the Philippian jailer, for instance, as we look at the examples that we noticed a moment ago, false teachers today will claim the authority of God when they are teaching contrary to it. There are many that will teach truth, at least some truth, but that doesn't mean that because they teach some truth, that they cannot teach error in the process. In regard to the Philippian jailer, those that, that preach that he must 
have believed in order to be saved, that, that we can believe in order to be saved, there's truth in that because we do have to believe in order to be saved. But that's not all that the Philippian jailer did. And many will leave out the whole truth. Christians must be constantly on guard because they will teach error with some truth behind it. And we have to know the difference. We can't be ignorant in that regard. We also must understand that false teachings and false teachers, they come from within. Remember that in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, Jesus refers to wolves coming in sheep's clothing. They look like us. They sound like us. It may be a long time before error is ever taught in regard to an individual. But false teachers do arise from within more often than not. And we must be aware of those false teachings. False teachers are still among us today. And Christians have to know the truth so that they are not deceived into believing the lie. And we must remember that we as Christians are responsible for handling aright the Word of God and practicing according to the truth. We are responsible for obeying the gospel according to God's authority. By faith, also repenting. Confessing that faith in Christ, being baptized for the remission of sins, we are responsible for our salvation. We are responsible for worshiping according to God's authority and only according to God's authority. For living life and faithfulness, we are responsible for ourselves. Living and doing according to God's Authority to what He wants us to do. I pray that we are not deceived by the lives of so many false teachers in the world. We always offer the Lord's invitation and we're going to do so once again. And we encourage you, if you need to respond, if you need to come in repentance, Confession and baptism for the remission of sins. Maybe you've not remained faithful. Maybe you need to come back. If that is your need, then we are ready to receive you. But we want you to come. And we encourage you to do so as together we stand and as we sing. In 285.